chapter twelve of bert wilson at the wheel this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. bert wilson at the wheel by j w duffield the youngsters great day say fellows said bert as he lay stretched out lazily beneath the limbs of a spreading beech isn't this the finest day ever you bet it is said tom the mould was broken when this day was made it was indeed one of the perfect days that come sometimes to break the heat of sweltering midsummer a brisk wind stirred the branches through which the sunlight flecking lazily the ground beneath played over the group of boys who lay in all sorts of abandoned attitudes on a bit of rising ground a little removed from the camp they had had a splendid morning sport the coolness of the day and the fine condition of the roads and meadows had suggested to them the game of hare and hounds uphill and down dale they had raced with occasional intervals of rest when the hares had successfully shaken off their pursuers still the bewildered hounds had nosed about so to speak seeking to pick up the lost trail bert and tom had been the hares and their escape from capture had added to the delight occasioned by the day and the game itself it was only after the rice that they had carried in their pouches to make a trail had been almost exhausted that they thought of doubling on their tracks and making for camp the hounds had trailed in a little later on looking a bit discomfited but not disheartened as pete hart one of the hounds said though slightly disfigured they were still in the ring and oh how that dinner tasted and how impossible it was almost for the famished boys to wait while the fish snatched from the brook that morning were frizzling in the pan and came in tantalizing whiffs to the nostrils of the boys something more substantial than whiffs however did quickly follow and now like gorged anacondas full to the brim they lay stretched out upon the grass and talked over the events of the morning i tell you what boys said frank it sure was the luckiest day in my life when i struck this camp well said tom i reckon we all say amen to that think of being out in these woods on such a day as this with a lot of jolly good fellows and not a thing to do but be happy when i think of the people in town roasting under the summer heat while we are out here under the trees you bet i feel sorry for them yes said jim who as usual had eaten more even than the others and hadn't before had energy enough to speak the town is all right in the fall and spring but when the summer comes me for the long hike and the camp in the woods it sure does us a lot of good said bert i know that when i go back to the city after a summer like this i feel so strong that i could lift a ton god made the country but man made the town chimed in dick who was great on quotations i think it does everybody good to get away somewhere where they can come in contact with the woods and the brooks and the squirrels and the birds who was it we used to read about that fellow in the old grecian stories i think his name was antaeus who got into a fight with one of the old heroes and every time he was knocked down refreshed by contact with mother earth got up ten times stronger than before 
i guess that is the way we feel after a summer in the woods while they were speaking mr hollis had joined the group the boys quickly moved aside to make room for him although he was so much older than they his genial spirit and unfailing friendliness kept him in touch with every one of the boys at heart he was still a boy and always would be one he was a stickler for discipline but not in the slightest degree a martinet with him it was always the iron hand in the velvet glove and he was so just so considerate he understood boy nature so thoroughly and in the case of each was able so accurately to put himself in his place that the boys regarded him as a father or rather an older brother instead of a commander i heard what you said tom he said smiling about not having a thing to do but be happy are you quite sure you have nothing to do but that tom stared a moment why yes he said slowly to make somebody else happy that's the thing said mr hollis you hit the nail right on the head that time tom there is no higher aim in life than to make someone else happy a murmur of assent arose from the boys now said mr hollis we ought to do someone a good turn every day it doesn't matter especially what that good turn is it may be a thing so slight as almost to escape notice it is just in some way or other to add to the sweetness of human life it may be to give somebody a lift in the automobile it may be a word of appreciation to kindle a smile on some tired face it may be guiding a blind man across the street or giving your seat to a woman in the street car or even so slight a thing as to kick a banana peel off the sidewalk the essence of the whole thing is self-forgetfulness to lend a hand to give a lift to make life brighter and easier for someone even in the smallest degree but what i have in mind just now is a sort of wholesale lift when i was in town the other day i passed the orphan asylum you know the one i mean that building just off the courthouse square with a stone wall around it and a pretty lawn in front the boys remembered perfectly every one of them at some time or other had passed the place and seen the childish faces at the windows now said mr hollis my idea is this there are from forty to fifty children in that building it serves as the asylum for all the towns in the county i happen to know it is carried on in a splendid way the officials at the head are kind and humane and the matrons in charge take the best possible care of the little ones but after all they need variety they want individual attention in a home of that kind even with the best intentions there has to be a certain monotony and uniformity they have to rise at a certain hour sit down at the table at the same moment go to the schoolroom at a given time and even play under the direction of somebody else now what a glorious thing it would be if for one day those children could come out into the woods and roll in the grass and chase the squirrels and kick up their heels like young colts let loose in the pasture what do you say boys to giving up one whole day of this vacation and make those little ones think they have had a glimpse of heaven what they said was plenty as shorty said it hit them where they lived there was a chorus of excited exclamations will we you bet just try us and see when's it going to be why can't we have it tomorrow? how many kids are there in the asylum what's the best way to get them here at last mr hollis smiling had to raise his hand in order to be heard well said he i haven't fixed upon the date 
as a matter of fact i haven't spoken to the officers of the institution at all and am not absolutely sure that they will see their way clear to make the arrangement of course they have a great responsibility upon them in caring for so many little ones and they would have to look at the question from every side still i don't think there will be much trouble in arranging it they are just as eager to see the children have a good time as we are and i think the idea will strike them as a capital one one or two of the people in charge will of course have to come with them ordinarily they might feel a little timid about letting the children spend a whole day in the woods in company with a lot of high-spirited boys who might be reckless and even with the best intentions lead them into danger still you boys have established such a good reputation in this neighborhood and here mr hollis looked about on the eager faces with an expression of pride that i don't think there will be any real trouble in arranging the affair it is a capital idea said dick warmly how did you come to think about it well said mr hollis it wasn't original with me it's a custom in the city to set aside a day each year as orphans day there are thousands of well-to-do people owners of automobiles who have the tenderest sympathy with these little ones deprived by nature of their natural guardians and on that one day of the year they give up all thought of selfish enjoyment and try to give the children the time of their lives it's a splendid sight and warms the heart to see the long line of automobiles coming down the avenues decked with flags and overflowing with the little tots off they go to the beach where all sorts of amusements have been prepared for them they dig in the sand they paddle about with bare feet at the edge of the breakers they take in every innocent amusement from one end of the island to another they haven't any money to spend but they couldn't spend it if they had everything is free the spirit of kindness and good feeling is shared by all the owners of the different resorts and the doors are flung wide open the minute the children come in sight they see the moving pictures they ride in the merry-go-round they hold their breath as they speed up and down the scenic railways they watch with awed admiration the wandering artist who moulds tigers and lions in the sand the lifeguards take them in their boats and row around the different piers they go to the great animal shows and see the big brutes put through their wonderful tricks they sit in the weighing machines they throw baseballs at the clay figures and the larger boys are even permitted supreme pleasure for a boy to fire at the target in the shooting galleries they watch the great ocean steamers as they go past at a distance and the smaller vessels like white winged birds that hug the shore and eat how they do eat they are like a flock of ravenous locusts and the food disappears as if by magic it's a day of days for the poor little youngsters to be talked over and dreamed over for months to come and when at the end of the day they pile into the autos tired full happy as larks for the swift return journey to the only place they know is home it is a question who are the happier the little ones to whom this means so much or the owners of the machines who for that one day at least have spent themselves gladly for the happiness of others the boys listened with rapt attention and when mr hollis had finished they were chock full of enthusiasm well said tom we haven't any beach here but i am willing to bet that by the time we get through with those kids they will have had just as good a time as any youngster in the big city ever had the boys all chimed assent to this 
and shorty who was always impulsive and never could bear to wait for anything that he greatly desired suggested why not fix it up right away well said mr hollis i don't see any objection to that if bert has the automobile in shape we will go over at once so many of the boys wanted to go with him that to avoid any selection mr hollis suggested that they draw lots of course it went without saying that bert would go to drive the machine but in addition fate decreed that tom frank jim and shorty should pile in with them off they went along the smooth country roads their hearts leaping not only with the delight of the glorious day and the thrilling swiftness with which the great machine sped over the turnpike but also from the feeling that they were going to carry gladness and sunshine into a lot of wistful little hearts to whom father and mother were only names in what seemed only a few minutes from the time they left the camp they reached the asylum bert went in with mr hollis while the rest of the boys stayed outside in the machine of which they never tired and where they much preferred to stay rather than wonder about the streets of the town the interview with the officers of the asylum was most cordial they knew mr hollis as a courteous gentleman and a capable and careful ruler of his little kingdom the matron in charge was called in at the conference and she also assented heartily and thankfully it was arranged that on the second day thereafter provided of course the weather was suitable the outing should take place then arose the question of transportation how were they to get there the automobile would only carry a few of the little ones even though they were packed in like sardines the superintendent suggested that no doubt they would be able to find plenty of the townspeople who would be glad to furnish teams to carry the rest but just before this arrangement was concluded a thought occurred to bert he knew how much the auto appealed to a youngster they were used to seeing horses and wagons and at times would be taken for a ride in them but automobiles were scarce in that locality and seemed almost like a fairy vehicle to the little ones as with faces pressed against the panes they would see an occasional touring car glide swiftly along the road in front where were the horses what made them go why did they go so fast it seemed to bert that half the delight of the little ones would be in the automobile ride and as he pictured the little wave of envy and discontent that would inevitably come over the youngsters who were forced to take the more prosaic and commonplace wagons he said what's the matter with taking them all over in the machine of course we would have to make a good many trips but what of that it only takes a few minutes to get from here to the camp and turn our load loose in the woods and then come back for another the whole thing could be managed in a couple of hours bob and i could take turns in driving the machine i am sure bob would be glad to and i know i would and as for the kids there is no question of the way they would feel about it all right said mr hollis while the superintendent and matron greeted gratefully this further example of bert's thoughtfulness and kindness of heart when the machine returned to camp and the boys who had been left behind learned of the arrangement everything was bustle and stir at once although the camp was always kept in first-class order this being one of their cardinal principles yet there were a good many little things that needed doing in order that the youngsters should have the glorious time that the boys had mapped out for them 
some of them took a long rope and fixed up a great swing between two oaks at a little distance from the camp others arranged an archery butt and prepared bows and arrows for the larger boys to use a number of fishing lines with sinkers and hooks were prepared so that the children might have the rare delight of trying to catch their own dinner then too it was necessary to go to town on several different occasions to secure supplies their own store had to be replenished and besides they wanted to get a lot of extra dainties that would appeal especially to the appetites of their little guests there had been a heavy rain a day or two before and the prospects were that nothing in the way of bad weather would mar the outing this had been a question of a little anxiety because their stay in camp was rapidly nearing a close many of the boys had only a limited time to stay and had to return to their employment in the city and even those who could extend the period had no desire to do so after their fellows had gone in all this rush of preparation the automobile race was not neglected every boy in the camp felt as though his own personal reputation was involved in winning rumors had filtered in from different quarters that ralph quinby the driver of the gray ghost was simply burning up the roads in exercise it was even said that for a short distance he had attained the speed of a mile a minute while there was no bitterness in the rivalry between the two camps yet their desire to win was extremely keen you have simply got to get there old fellow said dick as he and bert were tinkering at the machine on the morning before that set for the outing it would never do to have those fellows say that the red scout had to take the dust of the gray ghost well said bert who as the driver of the car naturally felt a greater weight of responsibility than anybody else there are just three things we need in order to come in first above everything else we've got to have the car in splendid condition it must be stripped of every single thing that might furnish wind resistance and make its work that much harder every bolt and nut must be examined and tightened the lever the clutch the gear has to be thoroughly examined many a race is won in advance in this way even before the machine leaves the post in the next place we've got to have good judgment by this i mean judgment of pace it isn't only what the speedometer says but there is a little something that tells the man who has his hand on the wheel just when and just how hard he should hit it up sometimes it is wise to trail the other fellow at other times it may be well to set the pace but the ability to do either one or the other is the thing that other things being equal is bound to tell in the long run then greatest of all perhaps is nerve i don't know whether you have ever ridden dick in a machine that goes a mile a minute but if you have especially on a circular track you'll know something of what i mean a fellow's nerves must be like iron the least hesitation the least doubt the least shakiness even for the merest fraction of a second may be fatal this is true even if one were riding without anything especially at stake but when we know that all the fellows will be yelling like indians begging us to win and know the bitter disappointment that will come to them if the other fellow shows us the way over the line i tell you it is a sure enough test of a fellow's nerve well said dick 
as to that last point i haven't any doubt about you having plenty of nerve bert if that were the only thing in question i would call the race one just now but how about the machines themselves don't they enter into the calculation of course said word that counts for an awful lot you can't make a cart horse beat a thoroughbred no matter how well it is ridden there's got to be the speed there or everything else counts for nothing but take two machines of about equal power and from all i hear the red scout hasn't much if anything on the gray ghost in this particular it puts the matter right up to the drivers of the cars under those conditions nine times out of ten it's the best man and not the best machine that wins while tom and bert discussed the thing in this way soberly the rest of the troop hadn't a doubt in the world that their hero would win they idolized bert they had seen him under a variety of circumstances and never once had he shown the white feather never once had he failed to measure up to an emergency never once had he failed to use every ounce of energy and power that he possessed if he should lose and this thought was instantly dismissed as traitorous they knew that although beaten he would not be disgraced and so with a vast amount of excitement but with scarcely the slightest feeling of trepidation they awaited the momentous day when the gray ghost and the red scout should battle for supremacy orphan's day dawned clear and beautiful there was just enough breeze to temper the heat of the sun the skies were cloudless many a tousled little head up at the asylum had tossed restlessly on its pillow through that night and almost all of the expectant youngsters needed no rising bell to call them from their dreams even breakfast was dispatched more quickly than usual and the feverish impatience of the little tots made it almost impossible to wait for the coming of that glorious automobile as it was necessary to save all possible space in the auto for the children themselves bert drove the car over alone when he came in sight he was hailed with a yell of delight by a little group of seven or eight gathered on the lawn who had been told off to the envy of their less fortunate companions for the first ride the matron in charge made a pretense of keeping order but she had been a child herself and the attempt was only half-hearted in they piled one after the other tumbling over the sides or tossed in by the strong arms of bert and untangled themselves somehow some on the seats some on the bottom of the car between the last and the driver's seat brown heads black heads blond heads yes even one little redhead that of teddy mulligan made what shorty said when he saw it was a sure enough color scheme as soon as they were safely ensconced bert blew his horn swung the car round and then made off for the camp oh the delight of that swift trip on that glorious morning oh the chatter that rose from those eager lips oh the joy that bubbled in those little motherless hearts it wasn't earth it was heaven on sped the machine noiselessly softly swiftly as a bird if it had not been for the other groups who were eagerly waiting their turn bert would surely have turned off into a side road and given the kids a good many extra miles but the others had to be considered too and time was passing so into the camp they glided all alive with eagerness delight and anticipation 
the ready hands of the other boys lifted the little ones from the machine which instantly turned about for its second trip again and again this was repeated until the last little group on the lawn of the asylum had melted away and the woods resounded with their childish prattle the boys had surely spread themselves to give the kids a day that they'd never forget frank took some of the larger boys to the little glade where the archery practice was on put the bows and arrows into their hands that had been prepared and showed them how to shoot the girls were taken to a swing that the boys had rigged up and swung to and fro to their hearts content tom showed them how to make jack-o'-lanterns and had told them about the time when bert had put one up in a great cave and frightened him so badly when he caught a first glimpse of it a little group under the guidance of dick went down to the brook and watched the sunfish dart to and fro under the gleaming surface and the great perch and catfish lying lazily under the reeds that fringed the bank shorty who was an expert fisherman threw his line while the boys looked on with bated breath and in a few minutes pulled up a plump catfish why do they call them that said little tony daramo well said shorty maybe it's because of the whiskers they have perhaps because the face looks something like a cat or else because of the noise they make when you take them off the hook little billy jackson seemed unconvinced it doesn't seem to me like a cat he said just then shorty who had turned his head to put the fish in the basket uttered a loud meow billy jumped i guess you are right after all he said it surely does sound like a pussycat in the shallow part of the brook some of the little ones under the guidance of the matron were permitted to take off their shoes and stockings and paddle about the water was less than a foot deep one of the children slipped and fell in a moment don who had been racing along the bank jumped in and grabbed him by the collar of his blouse the child was on his feet in a minute and had never been in the slightest danger at all but don felt just as proud of his exploit as though he had saved him from a raging torrent the boys laughed and called him a fake hero and yet every one of them knew in his heart that however great might have been the danger don would have jumped just the same don outdid himself that day he made the children scream with delight under the guidance of bert he played soldier shouldered the stick and marched rolled over and played dead and did it all with such a keen sense of enjoyment in his tricks that the children stood about and watched him with endless wonder and delight but the one whom the children remembered above all the others was bert he was everywhere he told them stories he carried them on his shoulders he imitated the calls of the different birds he summoned the squirrels and the timid little creatures who long since had lost all fear of him came readily forward ate out of his hand and perched upon his fingertips the children looked on with wide-eyed amazement delight and admiration then came dinner and such a dinner the kids had never seen anything like it before fish caught fresh from the brook the golden cornbread made by the boys themselves the maple syrup the cakes the pies the countless goodies that melted away before those famished youngsters would have filled a dyspeptic's heart with envy but all things come to an end 
and in the late afternoon amid the shouted good-byes and waving of hands from all the boys in the camp the red scout took up its burden and it had never borne a happier one and carried the kids away their little hearts full of unspeakable content at the end of the best day's outing they had ever known the boys were tired that night even tom who prided himself on never owning up to weariness admitted fairly and squarely that he was clean tuckered out but it was a delightful weariness they had forgotten themselves they had worked and planned for others they had not looked for their own happiness and just because they had not they found it they had learned the one supreme lesson of life that to give is better than to receive that he who seeks pleasure as an end in itself never finds it and that he who bestows happiness upon another has his own heart flooded with peace End of chapter twelve